Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the Happy Scientist Podcast. Each episode is designed to make you more focused, more productive, and more satisfied in the lab. You can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist. Your hosts are Kenneth Vogt, founder of the executive coaching firm Vera Claritas, and Dr. Nick Oswald, PhD, bioscientist, and founder of Bitesize Bio. Hello and welcome to the Happy Scientist podcast from Bite Size Bio. If you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist, you are in the right place. I am Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com, where we provide bioscience researchers with help with improving their technical skills, their soft skills and their well-being. And this podcast focuses on the latter of these three areas. The driving force of this podcast is Kenneth Vogt, who I've worked with for over seven years now with him being my business mentor and colleague. And I knew that his expertise could help a lot of researchers, which is why we started this podcast. In these sessions, we'll hear mostly from Ken on principles that will help shape you for a happier and more successful career. And along the way, I will pitch in with points from my personal experience as a scientist and from working with Ken. In episodes one to nine of this podcast, we talk about the foundational principles of human needs, core mindsets and charisma factors which we'll be referring to in all future episodes. So if you find this episode useful, please go back and listen to episodes one to nine to get an understanding of these life-changing concepts. So let's bring in the man himself. Kenneth, how are you today? Doing great. And I'm excited to be talking about this very interesting topic of getting past imposter syndrome. I know so many, so many of you scientists out there are suffering from this and I mean suffering it's causing you great distress and the the notion of imposter syndrome I'm, I'm, I'm sure most of us have heard this phrase before it was coined over 40 years ago by uh, two psychologists it was dr. Uh, Pauline Rose clients and dr. S uh, Suzanne Imes the idea of an imposter syndrome is that you think that nobody knows that you're actually a fraud that you you aren't actually the expert that everybody thinks you are and, oh yeah okay fine you got the degree and you got through the 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 dissertation and all that but if they only knew how you had had faked it or guessed your way to the to this position and they all think you're on top but you all know the truth <laughs> and the flip side, of course, is that everyone else who's an expert is, is a real expert and they're nothing like they, you don't have, they don't have any, um, any blind spots or any feelings, uh, unlike you, who's the only one who is the, you know, the exposed uh, imposter. Yeah, isn't that funny? People don't look around and think, I, I live in a sea of imposters. No, no, I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, the the good doctors who developed this, Dr. Clance and Dr. Imes, there's actually a test online, and we'll put a link in to that test in the show notes. So you can go, you can take the imposter syndrome test and see if you, in fact, are suffering from this. Um, go ahead. I'm I'm guessing most people will. I, I'm sure I would I would definitely. Um be a positive on the imposter syndrome <laughs> test. <laughs> yeah, so so but even without taking the test, let's I'm gonna I'm gonna boil it down here to to what it is that, that makes people feel like they've they've got imposter syndrome. So the the first most basic one is you feel like a fraud. You feel like I, I'm representing myself to be something that I'm not. And it doesn't matter that I have the credentials that evidence it. It doesn't matter that I've actually taken the schooling and I've actually read the books and I've actually actually passed the tests. They still feel like, yeah, I got lucky. I I just you know I took tests on a good day. I I got an easygoing professor. I you know whatever whatever excuse they put up before themselves that. They, they just can't believe, they can't have the self-confidence to accept that they are the expert that other people believe they are. And yeah. they may, yeah, well, go ahead. I was going to say it again, it's not just a professional setting thing. It's also, it's also even, it's just a, it's just a mindset that expresses itself, especially uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a professional setting like science, science, it really brings it out. I was just thinking there that my son, 11 years old, he's a really great guitarist and he writes songs and things that are really good for his age. And he won't, doesn't want other people to listen to them because he thinks it's, not, it's the same thing that's going on. It's the same mindset, even though he doesn't have a professional setting to work in. He thinks that what he's doing isn't as good as what other people are doing. And that's just a fundamental mindset. Well, that just go go to point out too that this notion uh, of being an imposter can get instilled in us very young, and can get instilled in us even in a positive environment. Because as we've talked about in past episodes, Nick actually is personally a rock star. <laughs> so if he's going to encourage his own son, I promise you, he's encouraging his own son. So if in that environment that the his son can feel like he's faking it. It can happen to anybody. It, I would like to say that I'm I'm a bit of an imposter as a rock star. Though, so that's <laughs> fine. Let's keep moving on. <laughs> well, we can use you as a case study throughout this, and we may well do so. <laughs> but you know, that's you know another thing that's pointed out here. We we think, oh, the reason I know why I'm an imposter is because I'm an expert. See, you know, for the for the average person out there that looks at me and see, it says, oh, well, there's, he's got a PhD. He's obviously, you know, really, really an expert in this area. And it's like, yeah, well, because I'm an expert in this area, I know how much I don't know. Well, that is not evidence of you being an imposter. <laughs> you know, that, that, is, that is just, actually, that's evidence of your expertise. When you've become wise enough to recognize there's much more for you to gain. But that doesn't mean you haven't come a long way already. So I want to add to some factors of how you know, how you might know that you're suffering from imposter syndrome. So the first one is you feel like a fraud, but here's the second one. 
you find it difficult to accept praise. So if you ever done that, where you somebody says, "Oh well, you know, you really did a great job on that," and you're like, "Ah, you know, I screwed this up here, and I'm and I dropped the ball there, and I probably probably should have did this," and I and I don't know if you noticed, but over here I did this wrong, and they just launch into this whole thing. They they attack the praise that comes to them. So do you find yourself doing that? Do you find yourself unwilling to receive praise? So, you know, that's, so that's a big one. It's a good lever as well. I remember that was one of the early things that you said to me was you don't accept any praise. If someone appraises you, you just deflect it. So to, to stop doing that, just try, you know, do your best to just say nothing and just let it sink in. And um, that really helped me because it's just a lever to go to start going in the opposite direction of this, which is essentially just a, a habitual mindset. Sure. A simple thing you can do about praise is just say thank you. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's amazing how painful that can be. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The the proof's in the pudding. You got to actually experience it and see what it's like. <laughs> what would happen if I said thank you when somebody pra- praised me? <laughs> yeah. Try it a couple of times and yeah, you yep. feel the pain, and then go and <laughs> just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and. And uh, this is a good opportunity to point out the difference between pain and suffering. Yes, it may be painful to just say thank you when you're praised. Suffering is a different game. Suffering is where you agonize over things. And you're going to find out that pain and suffering are not equatable. And, and they're not equally valuable. And in fact, suffering is not valuable at all. And pain is very valuable. <laughs> you learn things from pain. So the next thing that might be a trigger to show you that you're suffering from imposter syndrome is that you overwork yourself. And if you think about that, here's the reason you overwork yourself is because you realize I'm such a fake. I, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to work harder just to, just to keep up, just to, oh, yeah. just to do the basics. And that's a, that's another thing you look at and you go, holy cow! If Nick Oswald thinks he's an imposter, I'm, I, well, I'm. How, if he's an imposter, I am a world-class imposter, you know? So pay attention to this and learn from this. Learn, learn from, from Nick's, Nick's mistakes here. That's, <laughs> that's kind of the point of this. So then, now here's another one that, that is a really important one to, to give consideration to. Are you somebody who feels that failure is not an option? It's not, you cannot allow there to be failure. If that's the case, you may be suffering from imposter syndrome. Because the fact is, failure is a regular part of the scientific process. You do fail at things all the time. But again, that's kind of how how you read it. Did you fail at it? Or did you succeed in finding something that didn't work? You know, uh, if, if you cannot acknowledge that something went wrong, then you may be suffering from imposter syndrome. And there's there's nothing wrong with recognizing what's real. You know, we are the science is the search for truth, right? So let's let's find out what's true. And part of the way to find out what's true is to find out what's not true. So I probably uh, have been preaching to the choir here and trying to talk you into believing that you have imposter syndrome. <laughs> There's, there's probably, probably most of you are going, I already knew. You didn't uh, even I, tell me. 
exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you say, I still am. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. But but now let's let's spend a little time talking about how what you can do about it, because at the end of the day, it's not fun to feel like a fraud. You, you know, you you're you're constantly feeling like at some point I'm going to get caught, and it's all over. And you know, we don't we don't know what it means that it'll be all over. I'm going to get fired from my job. I'm going to. You know, I'm going to get indicted. I'm going to be on TV being shamed. You know, I mean, you know what? Well, we, we build up this whole picture of this horrifying thing that's going to happen on our way to the gallows, you know. <laughs> it's interesting. So where, where does that come from? Because I, I distinctly remember coming out of my PhD and getting the, my first job and thinking, oh, God, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, they looked at my resume and they gave me the job based on that. How I don't know how I'm going to keep them convinced that I'm the person that should be uh, be here, you know, because I've got to perform. It's kind of like a, it's a kind of, it's almost like you're not recognizing what it is that makes you valuable, if you like, because it's not the. I don't know. Maybe you you can explain that better than we can. What 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 is it that fundamentally drives that? Well, there's a couple of things that that come to mind um what the, the one of the points that I, that I wanted to make about what you could do about this is that you need to recognize that how you feel about things is not the same thing as how they are you our feelings and the truth often are remarkably unrelated and so just because you feel like you know i know i should be this but i feel like that well, if your resume, yeah, I realize some people embellish your resumes, but let's just for the sake of discussion, presume that your resume is accurate. It did describe who you actually are, what you've actually accomplished, and and that's all they wanted. That's what they expected. They expected you are the guy you represented yourself to be. And so now you might feel different about it, but if you elevate your feelings above the truth, above facts, well, you're going to get yourself in all kinds of trouble. And if um, and that's not to say that your feelings are untrustworthy or they're bad or they're only there to harm you. That's not true. Feelings are giving you some evidence of something to look at. But often, they, all they're doing is telling you, hey, look at this. And then when you look at it and you go, yeah, you know what I was lacking here? I was lacking some self-confidence. I should have some trust here. I had some great instructors. I had great professors, and I learned a great deal from them. And I should, and I should, have some confidence that they set me on the right path. Whereas, until you had the feeling that oh, I don't know if I'm up for this, you wouldn't have had that, wouldn't have made that consideration. You wouldn't have thought about it. It's interesting. What I was kind of thinking, I was trying to form there before you then helped me form it was that when you, go and, when you go and start the next job, if you like, you know, you start in a new place, the reason you're there is not because of the, the grades you got or, or, or something like that. It's, it's what's behind those grades. And that is the, it's, it's who you are, it's the talent that you have. And it's having, a, and then you're armed with knowledge. But generally when you go into a new job, you have to arm yourself with new knowledge that's specific to this job. So really what you're bringing is your innate talent that allowed you to get you know, those um, those results that got you in the door anyway. And so it's having self-confidence, which is just that you, 
just trusting your own talent, if you like, and allowing that to be expressed. I think that uh, if you flip it around, imposter syndrome is not just not trusting that innate talent that you have. Something to do, something like that anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It recognize that you that what you've established isn't that you know everything. You've established I have the capacity to know what what needs to be known. Exactly. Yep. So let me let me let me look at the dark side of this for a second though. You have that feeling that you're not up to snuff. And upon examination, wow, you're not. It is important to recognize when you are in fact fraudulent. <laughs> now, that's gonna be a minority of the time. But but I'm not telling you like, oh, don't worry about it, everything's perfect, you've got everything you need. No, there will be moments when you don't. Well, recognize that. See where the holes are so that you know what know that these are holes I need to fill. Um, that's not going to be your common experience. And, and even if, if it happens, you're going to realize, okay, I got a few weak spots here. I, yeah, I should deal with that. But it, it, you're, rarely are you going to look at this and go, wow, you could drive a truck through the hole that I've got here. You're, no, that, that doesn't happen very often. But if it does happen, get in front of it. This is, this is the time to recognize I've got to do this. If you yeah, fake your way to this, I point, would say in a scientific setting, in, in terms of you know we're thinking of the you know the points where the where the, um, the imposter syndrome goes through the roof is is when you start for me anyway it's when you start a new job, and in a scientific setting you come with a basic and it's probably the same in a lot of other professions but you come with a basic set of tools, but you also come with some gaps because when it, whatever problem you've been um, employed to solve. There, it's going. It's a whole new technical area. You generally have to learn, unless you've made a, you know, you've gone into something that you've completely uh, become technically competent in previously. But a lot of the times, you come in with a basic set of tools, and you've got a big amount of knowledge to, um, to, to you've got a large amount of knowledge to acquire before you can become effective. You've got to uh, get up to speed in the specific area of literature. You might have to learn some new techniques and stuff. And so the the opposite of of uh, imposter syndrome would be thinking that you didn't have to do that work each time, that you you could just wing it, and uh, that yeah that's that's irresponsible. But I guess that's that's the as you say that's the dark side of imposter syndrome is when you, if you don't if you don't acknowledge that and don't um, don't uh, react accordingly. Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. Sure, and you want to take advantage of that startup phase. That's the moment when you're going to get the most slack cut for you. When it's recognized, everybody knows, hey, you're, you're in a new job here. You're at a new company here. You're starting a new project here. Everybody understands that's the moment when you're going to need the most input. You're going to need the most the, you know, to, to learn the most new things. You need to step up in that moment. And that's not, the, the beauty of this is recognizing that you have some holes doesn't establish that you're an imposter. 
In fact, it does the opposite. It's just, see, this is a person who understands themselves and understands their capabilities and their background well enough that they know where, what's missing and, and they're going to do something about it. An imposter would pretend those holes weren't there. Yeah, and that, that's the fundamental here, I think, is that, that one driver of impo- imposter syndrome is feeling like you need to know everything. And it's certainly not the case. Again, it's kind of what we were alluding to earlier, is that, is that the reason you're here is because you have the talent to figure out whatever you need to know or you have the ability to do that. Well, yeah, and I think it's, it's even worse than just that you need to know everything. It's that you, that you think you need to project that you know everything. Well, so, there is yeah, that as well. Don't project that. Do not project that you know everything. And in fact, you'll take a lot of pressure off yourself if you're a bit more self-effacing. And I'm not talking about, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm an idiot and I don't know anything. I'm a worm. You know, no, but it's like, oh, that's a new thought for me. I'm going to have to look into that. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look that up. I'm going to have to do a little experimentation there. You know, that, that, all that stuff diffuses that you're an imposter. It shows like, oh, no, this is somebody who's got, they've got the lights turned on. They, they, they're paying attention to what's going on here. And so if you flip that around then to uh, another reason why these professional settings uh, like science are so, you know, give rise to um, acute imposter syndrome is that there's a culture, there's often a culture of people projecting, you know, over projecting, projecting overconfidence. And so unless everyone does, you know, underneath that, everyone is feeling varying degrees of imposter syndrome if you like, well, not everyone, most people. And so by, by you kind of breaking that and being more, showing more humility and more vulnerability, then you're kind of starting to break down that culture, which makes it easier for everyone else as well. So that's going to feed into your charisma, like we talked about in the, in the last episode. Exactly. You can, make, you can not only make the world a better place, you can make your personal lab a better place. Absolutely. And, and you know, th- this does point to something else that really is important. We have to have a healthier response to failures and mistakes than we've often seen exhibited around us. Mistakes, failures are a regular part of our activity and of the work you do. We, we, we can't pretend that we're going to have this environment where there's never a failure. Uh, that, that's not, that's not going to work. And if you're in a situation where task after task is a, there's no option for it to fail, um, that's a dangerous environment. It, it, that you can't last in that environment. And you got to build in some safeties so that it's it's okay for there to be failures where it where failures are survivable. That should be part of the system. If you have a system that is so fragile that a single failure brings it all crashing down, your system is broken. So you, you need yeah, to work and, and One way to look at science is that it's you know, 95% failures. Um, and, or, or at least it's not that. It's that you don't go, by definition, you have to go into things not knowing what the outcome is going to be. And the outcome can, can be um, influenced by just that's the, you know, the answer to the question is not what you thought it was, or that you're technically asking the question wrong, you're making a, te- a technical mistake and you're, you're, not, you're not seeing it. There's room for all of that in there, 
and all of that is part of the learning process of you know dealing with that as part of the learning process of of becoming a great scientist um and and uh, you know there will be people listening to this who are um at varying levels in their career so so this applies to, uh, differently to different people if you are someone who is a manager of scientists then you know this is your opportunity to give them the room to fail uh, or for things to go wrong if you like if you want to put it like that so and then learn from it because there are uh, and then grow in that way rather than feeling um, compressed because they feel like there's no um, there's no room for failure and it just feeds an anxiety that, that doesn't help anyone um, I know that I know that you're a big fan of uh, Ray Dalio who has a lot to say about that uh, sort of creating that sort of environment Ken oh yes <laughs> what's the summary of what of, of what Ray says about that what Ray is looking for exceptional people. If you don't know who Ray Dalio is, he, he started um, a company called Bridgewater Associates. It's a hedge fund. It was started it from from nothing, and and now they manage something like one hundred and sixty billion dollars. It's one of the most successful hedge funds ever, and they're very good at what they do. But when they they bring in the best of the best, and then they create this this environment where they just absolutely demand that everyone see things as they actually are. They're, they're, you just you don't get to play imposter syndrome at Bridgewater Associates. <laughs> it's like we all know we all have holes. And he's constantly talking about that, that even at the top, top managers and even talking about himself, there are things I'm not good at and I'm never going to be good at. And if I sit up here and say, well, I'm the boss, I have to be good at it, or I'm the boss and uh, everybody's just gonna have to pretend I'm good at it, that doesn't work. And he creates an environment where, where the lowest person on the totem pole, as far as management structure, can speak up and correct somebody high up the structure. Now there's some, there's some rules for engagement on that. It's not like any, any you know, the janitor can stir the pot with the CEO. But, but the, if, they're, if they're bringing up something credible, it's treated that way and they're not, no one is being looked down on ever. Now, I know that that's a, sounds like a great environment. It, it is a great environment, but it is also a demanding environment because everybody's expected to, to accept this standard. So, you know, part of it is you gotta look at yourself and you gotta accentuate the positive. You know, of course, you can look at things about yourself and say, these are my weaknesses. But you don't. You are not made up of all weaknesses. You have got strong points, and you need to accentuate those things accurately. You know, realize that okay, I may not be great at this, but over here, I'm truly an expert, and over here, I'm truly experienced, and over here, I've really walked the walk. You know, so pay attention to the to the positive side of things too, and don't. Uh, don't just uh, indulge in this negative thinking because it doesn't really get you anywhere. And I guess when you're looking at, you know, looking at in terms of things going wrong, we, you know, that you one aspect is when things go right or you do things well to acknowledge that, so that gives you that, you know, the the confidence. But when things go wrong, is to treat them with a, a, sense, a kind of a bit of detachment, where where it's not a personal thing. So whether, again, you're the person who's done something wrong or the person in your team has done something that, you know, made a mistake, 
you don't, it's so easy and it's so common to drive that person down because they made a mistake and for them to take it personally, it, that's, there's just no, nothing to be gained from that. And that's what I take from reading from, uh, Ray, you know, what Ray Dalio does, is that, is that they treat problems as depersonalized problems that just have to be solved. And, uh, and it's, not about, it's not about driving a person down. That's just the easiest, uh, you know, often for me, I find that when someone has made a mistake, it's actually because a system I've put together is not correctly set up, you know. But it would be so easy for me to just say, yeah, you made a mistake, you know, it's all your fault. I don't have to look at the system. <laughs> and um, it's the same here. But um, again, the overall thing is that if we're trying to build... Um, personal uh, confidence and respect and effectiveness and and team co- effectiveness then um, depersonalizing problems is a, is a really important thing you know, and dealing with them in, in that detached way. Yeah and as, and as much as you don't want to be living feeling you're, that you're a fraud and an imposter neither do your colleagues and are you feeding into their imposter syndrome whether that's, that's a peer a, or your boss or whoever. Yeah, I think that's everywhere. There's a lot of that going on that I see anyway. Right. And some people are doing, you know, they're doing it inadvertently. But other sure. people are doing it with glee. You know, and boy, don't be that person. <laughs> you're you're going to find that you'll make, you will end up making enemies that will really hold back your career and really hold back your enjoyment of, of your of your work. You know, you want to work around people that you enjoy being with, and nobody enjoys being with somebody that where they feel like at any moment I could get another arrow in the back from this person. You know, so don't be that person. Yeah, and this sort of thing is, you know, your own contribution to the overall culture that you work in, and um, and depending on where you are in the in the you know the um, the hierarchy, you can have more or less influence, but everyone can have an influence, and changing that culture for the positive helps everyone, especially if you work in a, in a, you know, something as important as science. The better we can get science working, the better it is for the world. So it really gets that big. Yeah, exactly. There's something bigger going on here than just you. And recognize that if you're in an environment and you're feeling, you know, there's some toxicity in this environment, take some personal responsibility there and say, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of that. Even if I'm not going to stop it, I'm at least not going to be a part of it. And maybe you can also help stop it. Maybe you can lead by example and and show the people there's a better way. Now, one of the things you can do for yourself along those lines is cut yourself some slack. You know, sometimes you're not going to be perfect. Everybody's not firing on all cylinders at every moment. Everybody had ebbs and flows throughout the day. So, you know, if you're cutting other people's slack, cut yourself some slack too. And, you know, give yourself a chance to not have to be perfection at every given moment. Is, is it true to say that, you, that, that you're never perfect, though? That's, <laughs> that's how I would look at it. Well, is it, there, there'll, be some, there'll be some a link to an article in the show notes that, that, to an article entitled Perfectionism is Setting the Bar Too Low. <laughs> so oh, no. I, will, I will leave that point, that concept in front of you to think about it. Like, oh, is there, perfectionism doesn't work. It really doesn't work, and that article will deal with that a little bit more. So I'll just I'll leave that as a teaser out there for you, but you can take a look. So that's in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So here's another thing: is change the dialogue in your head. 
Are, are you sitting there all day long going, oh, that was stupid. What, man, what, what was wrong with me? I'm like, well, here I go again. I'm like, oh man, I am such a lazy piece of, piece of uselessness. You know, I mean, think about your internal dialogue and how much is going on there. Are, are you constantly taking little shots at yourself? And that really adds to this burden of feeling like you're a fake. So stop it. When you hear that kind of thing, just first, the first thing is to notice it. When you know it's like, well, that was stupid of me. I'm like, oh, look at that. Look what I just said to myself. Once you've acknowledged it multiple times in a row, now you can start combating it. Now you can go, that was stupid. It's like, okay, stupid's a pretty strong word. You know, there was a mistake. That was it. So, you know, and you know, you you can start to you start to change the dialogue. And then you'll start to realize that, you know, that voice that says I'm stupid, that's not me. Those are just thoughts that kind of wandered on by and and I decided to give it meaning. I heard this this great way of looking at this uh, that that I just love to share. So, you know, a bird can land on your head, but you don't have to let it build a nest there. And that's what thoughts are. And so we have these little thoughts that come by that are potentially harmful to us. You, you know, don't worry that you had the thought. Don't, don't beat yourself up like, there it is, I called myself stupid again. You're like, no, the thought came up. Whether or not you're gonna take ownership of it now is, is a choice you can make. And you can make, it, you can make it time after time and you can reject it time after time. And after you do that, it doesn't actually take that long. It'll stop coming up or it'll start coming up less frequently. And, or it'll, you know, it'll take more demanding circumstances before it comes up until you get to a point where you you know what? I, I've, I've let that one go. So, you know, give yourself, give yourself that kind of mental hygiene, you know, clean, clean this stuff out of your brain. Don't just accept it. Don't let it go by and just like, oh, well, I guess I'm stupid because the thought came to me. No, it just, it's just a thought. <laughs> I think we could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, and everybody's doing it. We all have this constant, constant dialogue going on in our head. I say dialogue, often it's just monologue. Monologue. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Although it is interesting when it becomes dialogue, it's like, you're stupid. No, I'm not, wait a minute. <laughs> you know? You'll find yourself having these little arguments in your head sometimes that it's, uh, and that's actually an improvement. And then you'll stop having those arguments, so. But it's it's a process. You just you just got to get engaged in it. Have some experience with it. Stop taking for granted that these thoughts are my thoughts. The that that's a another it's another phony notion. And and here I, <laughs> there may maybe another article I have to put in here uh, a link to another article that talks about stopping thinking because <laughs> you might think I need to stop thinking. Well, it can be done. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Gonna, yeah, definitely. I'm I think that's make... something to cover. I mean, I, yeah. stopping thinking, it sounds like that. I think it's stopping a particular kind of thinking. <laughs> well, and it's recognizing too that, wait a minute, I'm not actually doing this thinking. These are just thoughts that happen by. Yeah. So, yeah. so now taking you out of your own head for a minute and then going back to what we said, one of the, one of the ways of knowing that that you've got imposter syndrome is that you find it difficult to accept praise. And the answer to that 
is to accept praise. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's, we, a, that's, a, that's an amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many times we, we want to have, well, give me the 10 step process to solve this. And it's like, no, it's a one step process. Stop doing what you're doing. This is an easy one because it literally, you know, I, it's quite hard, you know, the, di- you know, the dialogue in your head or the, the monologue in your head and not believing your own thoughts and stuff. I find that quite difficult because you're just so tuned into or you're so trained to think that, that, that um, those mean something. But actually, I found that I find this quite easy, the accepting. Well, I found starting off on it because it's very obvious. All you have to say is someone's praised me. OK, now I don't. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's quite and, and it, but it's very, it gives a lot of, um, starts to build a lot of momentum in moving you away from feeling uh, like a fraud. Yeah. And, and something I've done with many of my coaching clients, and perhaps I've done this to you, Nick, I don't know, but maybe somebody else has done it to you, where I've given you a compliment and you try to deflect it. And I say, it was a compliment. Just say thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, that's something you can do with other people. If that's just what I was thinking. Yeah. 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 As we are trying to do this kind of change the culture that's around us for our own good and for other people's, then you know, that's quite a quite a forceful thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna be using that now. That's I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because you know, this is the thing too. If you have suffered from imposter syndrome, you know that other people are suffering too. And so we don't want anybody to suffer. We don't want our colleagues to suffer. We don't want our our bosses to suffer. We we don't want our our subordinates to suffer. Let's let's help alleviate suffering. In fact, that's kind of what science is often about: is we're trying to, to improve the human condition. Well, you can improve the human condition just with some some of these simple things here, and and it's going to make a better environment that is that will multiply this improvement of the human condition. <laughs> so, Nick, do you still feel like an imposter? Uh, I'm Scottish, so it's kind of <laughs> built, but I, I, I'm always I'm always moving away from it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Keep up the good work on that. <laughs> okay, well, I'd say that's a that is a wrap on the topic of getting past imposter syndrome and what look into the show notes for some interesting articles that can give you a little more information. And also yeah, d- uh, we'll have a link to the imposter syndrome test so you could see <laughs> if you in fact qualify. Yeah, so the, the show notes are available. This is episode 10 of the Happy Scientist podcast. You can find the, the podcast at uh, bitesizebio.com forward slash the happy scientist. So if you look that up um, and then look for episode 10, you will find uh, the, the notes on what we've talking we um, we've been talking about today. Uh, other housekeeping is that, as I mentioned in the introduction, that a lot of what we're talking about is based on the, the the foundational principles that we set out in episodes one to nine, uh, where we covered human needs, core mindsets, and charisma factors, which are tools that can really help you to to get under the skin of this kind of the, these mindsets that are holding you back and start moving them in, in a more positive, positive direction. So I'd really recommend you go back and listen to episodes one to nine if you find this interesting. And finally, uh, you can join us in, on, in the, the, the 
private Facebook group for this uh, podcast, which is called The Happy Scientist Club, which is at facebook.com forward slash The Happy Scientist Club, all one word. And in there, we'll be looking at this stuff from all sorts of different angles and, and chatting about it and so on. So, so on. So that will um, give you more depth into the, uh, into the topics and approaches that we're talking about here. So thank you again for another great, uh, another great uh, contribution, Ken. And I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. We'll see you all next time. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio, your mentor in the lab. Bite Size Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of PhD scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard won wisdom and solutions to the Bite Size Bio community. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.